Welcome to the From the Flats podcast, your destination for the latest in Georgia Tech athletics. Now, here's your host, Wiley Ballard. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome inside another episode as we've got Georgia Tech football back at Bobby Dodd Stadium three times over a 15-day stretch. We've got a lot in store for you here. We'll be joined by a member of the Georgia Tech women's basketball staff as well as uh, Leah Thomas, our Assistant Athletic Director of Student Athlete Development, as they get set for a, a special memorial uh, clothing drive for the late Brandon Adams. We'll visit with uh, both of them. But first, joined by the Georgia Tech Sports Network crew, Andy Demetra, voice of the Jackets, and Sean Bedford. And before we look all the way ahead to Virginia Tech, guys, let's look back at what we saw on Saturday in Charlottesville, final road game of the 2019 season. James Graham throws for 229 yards. Six different receivers, Tyler Davis heavily involved. Uh, why do you think James Graham had so much success uh, on Saturday? Well, I think Tech came out with a really good game plan that was designed to make James Graham comfortable. And we saw early on they gave uh, UVA a variety of different looks, attacking them uh, on the ground through the short pass and then taking some of those deep shots, uh, most notably that long touchdown pass to Amari and Brown that really showcased everything this offense is capable of. So I think presenting those multiple threats really helped James Graham get into a rhythm and get comfortable earlier or early on. And that ultimately opened up um, passes for, you know, for the likes of Tyler Davis coming off of some of those run pass options and credit to, uh, to James Graham for really bouncing back after a tough performance against Pitt and showing the kind of composure that you want to see out of a, a starting quarterback, out of the leader of your team. I think we cannot salute James Graham and his performance versus Virginia without also saluting the play of the offensive line. That might go unnoticed, but guys, this is a Virginia team that was in the top five nationally in sacks. And uh, even though James had to scramble away on a few occasions, he was not brought down for a sack one time in Charlottesville. So you have to tip your cap to the offensive line as well. I think also what added to uh, James's day was uh, his ability to make the right read in pulling the football and breaking off a run himself. Had eight carries, 42 yards. Uh, it was as involved as we've seen him in calling his own number in the running game. Of course, he had that touchdown in the first half uh, on the quarterback run. Uh, but James just looked very comfortable in rhythm. And I think that tone was set in the opening drive. Uh, if you can get that same efficiency out of Graham to set the tone versus Virginia Tech out of the gate on Saturday, I think it'll bode really well. And maybe James can uh, exceed his performance against Virginia. The Yellow Jackets are back at home for the final three games 2019 season. Virginia Tech on Saturday, they've won four of the last five games. They found a quarterback uh, in Hendon Hooker defensively. Bud Foster, this is his final run uh, in Blacksburg with the lunch pail defense. They held Wake Forest uh, to a season low in total yards. And the Hokies have allowed just one rushing touchdown the last four games. What's the key to making sure Jordan Mason gets going? He had 94 yards last week, but struggled last time at home against Pitt. Well, I think, it, you know, as, as Andy alluded to, the offensive line played a lot better against uh, Virginia. And I think if they want to continue that progression, this is a great game to do it. And I think they're going to have opportunities to try to open up some lanes for, for Jordan Mason. Uh, but I think it's also important, and it's, frankly, it's always important against Bud Foster and the defenses that he likes to try out there, that you have to be able to present the threat of the deep pass because he's not afraid to bring that that rover safety down into the box, play him as an extra linebacker, and really just crowd the box and try to force teams to pass on. Uh, you know, when uh, under Coach Johnson, that was an issue we ran into every single time we played Virginia Tech is they just walk eight, nine guys up in the box 
and dare you to try to go over the top. Now, last year, Tech didn't have to, only throwing the ball one time and still coming away with a runaway victory. But uh, I think it makes it a lot easier to open up those lanes inside if those safeties have to worry about the deep pass to a guy like Amarian Brown or Donica Sanders, uh, or for that matter, Malachi Carter, um, so they can't creep up and just focus on shutting down Jordan Mason. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I think the key to unlocking Jordan Mason, Sean, is by getting that vertical passing game going because of the responsibilities put on the rover. A guy like Reggie Floyd, Rayshard Aspie is a middle linebacker, uh, among the most productive tacklers in the ACC. You have to find a way to account for him on almost every play, but the ability to not let Virginia Tech jam that box up uh, and commit more players closer to the line to try to stuff Jordan Mason uh, if James Grant can establish those intermediate and deep routes early and present the threat of that, uh, I think Jordan Mason will find he'll have those one-on-one matchups. And he's shown the ability to break tackles and bounce off guys, get yards after contact. If you can get a bit of a deep and intermediate threat established early, Jordan Mason might be getting established not long after that. Well, one of Virginia Tech's great strengths this year defensively as well has been keeping teams uh, from scoring in the red zone. They're second in the ACC behind Clemson's. That'll be key for Tech to finish off drives, not just with uh, field goals, but touchdowns. On the flip side, Georgia Tech's red zone defense right behind Virginia Tech, third in the ACC as far as preventing points. And this is a Virginia Tech offense alluded to. Hendon Hooker, 4-0 as a starter, 60% completion rate in those four games. Hasn't thrown an interception while hitting touchdowns seven times. In each of your minds, what is Tech's top priority defense? Well, defensively, I think it's going to be important to, to try to get some pressure on Hendon Hooker because, you know, he's played nearly flawless football since taking over that starting job in their game at Miami. This, this Virginia Tech offense has been kind of inconsistent this year. They really struggled out the gate and, and struggled to separate themselves from, from some, you know, some teams that don't really wow you. You know, you look and see a one-touchdown win against Furman. Uh, you know, they pull ahead and win by two touchdowns against Old Dominion. But since Hooker has taken over, They've been cruising, and they've been on par with just about anybody in the country, taking Notre Dame to the wire, beating a previously undefeated Wake Forest team. But he has yet to throw that interception. I think that's due in large part to the fact that he hasn't really experienced a lot of heat. Now, this is going to be a tough thing for Tech to pull off because, uh, you know, as we discussed during the Virginia game, they're starting to experience that lack of depth is, uh, along the, the defensive line in particular and throughout the front seven is kind of catching up with the Yellow Jackets as they're trying to find ways to get in there after the quarterback. So uh, they're going to have to step up, and I expect those guys up front, especially a guy like Jordan Dominic, to step up in a big way and try to make his presence felt as a pass rusher. And, and guys, one of the reasons why Virginia Tech has turned a page offensively since they inserted Hooker into the starting lineup is that he's much more of a running threat from the QB position than Ryan Willis was at the beginning of the year. And you're right, Sean, four starts, seven touchdown passes, no interceptions, but Georgia Tech, which did not force a turnover versus Virginia. Keep this one in mind. Virginia Tech has fumbled it away 11 times this year. That's the most in the ACC. So against whether it's Hooker or Deshaun McLeese or Keyshawn King, their freshman running back, a guy coming around on a jet sweep, make sure you wrap and punch. See if you can flip that field, shorten it with a fumble recovery. Georgia Tech would love nothing more to sign that ball, uh, you know, decide to get the ball board. Uh, and and maybe take some some of that uh, self-assuredness out of Hendon Hooker, who's been playing with a lot of it in his four starts. 
Well, defense will have to be on the lookout. Also want to encourage fans uh, to be on the lookout for our uh, Big B clothing drive uh, set for Saturday afternoon in honor of the uh, late Brandon Adams passed away earlier in March. Uh, if you're interested in contributing to that on Saturday before we get set for uh, Toe Meets Leather, donations will be collected in the Callaway Plaza. That's the north side of uh, the stadium uh, from 1230 to 330. So, guys, uh, a lot of good stuff going on at campus. And I uh, hope uh, fans and everyone else can contribute to that. Andy, Sean, thanks for the time. As always, Wiley, for you, I would do not everything, but most things. <laughs> I'll second that. Fair enough. Up next, we'll visit with Leah Thomas, the Assistant Athletic Director for Student-Athlete Development, as she walks us through how the Big B clothing drive came to be and her fondest memories from the late Brandon Adams as we continue to remember him throughout the 2019 season. This is From the Flats. We're now joined by a very special guest, uh, Leah Thomas, Assistant Athletic Director of Student-Athlete Development. And uh, Leah, a lot of good things going on campus beyond football, and one of them is the uh, Big B Remembrance Clothing Drive, uh, an initiative uh, in honor of the uh, recent passing of Brandon Adams this past spring, football student-athlete, rising senior here at Georgia Tech. And uh, can you tell us how that came together? Um, sure, so one of our women's tennis players, Vicki Flores, was pretty close to Brandon and about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, she she has kind of a heart for doing collections and donating and things like that. So about a year ago, she gathered up some of her former, mostly former GT gear, um, but some other clothes as well to donate to the Gateway Center. And as she was loading her car to do this, Brandon Adams showed up and they're friends and she he was watching her and he said, how can I help you? And so he jumped in and helped her load up and then hopped in her car and went with her to do the donation. And so, um, and she had, she does it all the time, um, but she had a vision to honor Brandon and the fact that it was almost a year ago that he first did that, that she wanted to do something bigger to remember him and to carry out that legacy that he helped, helped her start. So when it comes to items of greatest need, what is just, are we talking any types of clothes or, mm -hmm. or what, what is the Gateway Center most interested in or, or needs the most? Well, I think that it's probably seasonal. And so I think now that we're entering um, the winter season and we all feel it right now, but um, that, that that's probably what they're mostly looking for is seasonal, seasonal items to keep people warm. So, but each new season, they're going to be looking for a whole new set of, mm -hmm. of items. Um, and our vision is to provide a lot of GT branded gear as well so that we can watch our city support mm -hmm. uh, Georgia Tech. And Leah, over the last eight months since Brandon has passed, it's, it's been a very emotional period for not just the football team, but all of athletics. We've seen uh, different football players wear number 90. We've seen the, uh, the 90 uh, blue hearts in the back of every jersey. Um, can, can you kind of you're around the student athletes every day and can you kind of describe what the last eight months have been like and kind of how there's been some healing going on and what that's been like yeah well I think obviously time heals for sure and the fact that we're doing so much to keep him in the forefront of our memory and not just not just move on yeah. and that be that you know all of the things that you mentioned I think are really a really nice touch to just remind our fans and each other that Brandon was a big part of our department and so while time has made it easier um, you know there's still always a, a, a piece of him that I guess we we feel and, and it's and that's okay and yeah. I think that's good to see those things to 
just remind us what a special guy he was. Uh, you spoke at his memorial service here on campus. I know there were many reflections done back in March when it first happened, but, but can you put into words for those who, who may not have heard back in March what kind of person he was and the impact he had at Georgia Tech? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just one of the friendliest, as many know, even if they never knew him, they now know that he was just a friendly, always smiling um, guy, friends with everybody, um, even the adults, the coaches, yeah. the staff around the building. It didn't matter who you were. He was he was definitely just a friendly, supportive guy. And, um, and, and there was just a few specific memories that I recalled at his service that were special, and primarily to me, some of the special items were the interaction I watched him have with my three young children and um, they were affected by his death and so that was you know something a whole new factor that I I guess had to walk through and deal with is dealing with them and their emotions for him but so from you know our oldest staff member here to my children who my youngest is six he was just a special person that everybody loved Uh, you mentioned right there with your kids kind of getting adjusted to something tragic like that happening one one of the unique uh, facets of college athletics in my mind is that this is the first time for a lot of these student athletes being away from home and, and now having to deal with something serious like this. And, and you're obviously over the total person program, working on that full person development uh, now in your 16th year here at Georgia Tech. Uh, can you describe uh, what you learned in that time and, and, and how you try and go about dealing with whatever may come up, whether it's something as uh, unfortunate and, uh, and tragic as this or just any other challenges student athletes might face in their first year, two, three, four away from home? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the program is designed to to transition them into college and then transition them out to be successful, thriving adults and, and working individuals. Um, you know, I think that we, our job is to provide opportunities for them to develop themselves, but even bigger picture than that is to just be a person there for them that they can come to for anything and, and kind of be that maybe parent away from home, perhaps, and, and not literally, obviously, but yeah. like just being an individual that they know and trust that they can come talk to about anything, knowing that we have their best interest at heart and that we are providing all these opportunities for them to develop themselves. So, I mean, it's a fun, it's very fun to watch them come in and mature and leave here um, in, you know, just a very well-rounded going to be successful individual uh, well just earlier this week we had homer rice uh, back on monday night uh, at the georgia tech men's basketball game he started this vision uh, back when he was here and, and leah i think i speak for all of athletics you've done a great job and not only continuing that tradition but building upon it uh, an integral part uh, to what makes georgia tech athletics very special so thanks for the time and uh, thank you bundle up uh, this saturday mm-hmm. all right yes definitely <laughs> i will sounds good all right up next we'll be joined by a member of the women's basketball staff as it gets set to take on the georgia bulldogs this sunday in athens the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets are back at McCamish Pavilion on Monday, November 25th as they take on SEC opponent Arkansas. It's a 7 p.m. tip and the first 300 fans receive a free Adidas shirt. Great seats are still available at RamblinRec.com. Georgia Tech basketball, built different. And welcome inside the office of Head Women's Basketball Coach Nell Fortner, uh, wrapping up uh, the first week of games here in 2019-2020. Uh, Coach, you guys are off to a 2-0 start. Big win over Houston, getting some revenge on the Cougars from a year ago, and then uh, taking down Grambling, where you guys played a pretty clean game. Uh, what were your thoughts on the first two games? Well, I think it gives us an idea of um, where we are right now. You can assess 
what your team needs to get better at, what we're, what we're pretty good at. I've said it from the beginning, we really are a work in progress because we're a different staff than these players have played for in the past. And, and they're learning to do things with a different philosophy. But I tell you what, they've really worked hard um, with their buy-in and their effort. So, you know, you can always do some positive things when you have that working with your players. But we still have a ways to go, but we're, um, we're improving every day. Individually, Francesca Pond has played really well in the first two games of her uh, final season here at Georgia Tech. What's been the difference for her? You know, she's uh, Pond has so much experience. You know, even before she came to Georgia Tech, she was involved in their national team system, so she was playing at a higher level. She's just a really good basketball player on, on both ends of the floor. She's got really a high IQ for the game. She's a, a good passer. She understands the game well. Um, and so it doesn't, you don't have to repeat things to pawn. Give her a few little things that you want to do and she'll just run with it and in a really good way. So I'm really pleased with how she's just bought into what we're doing. And um, it's really playing um, probably free, you know, a little bit free where she's got some um, ability to read and do some things. And, I, and I, I'm already trusting her really well. But again, she still has room to grow and um, we're hoping that we can get her to, to meet those goals that we have for her. From where I sat on Tuesday and Sunday, I don't think there was a player who made a bigger jump from game one to game two than Nerea Hermosa as far as what she was able to do on Sunday after it was a bit of a struggle there in her first night of college uh, basketball here at Georgia Tech against Houston, but she looked really good against Grambling. What, what was the biggest change you think she made? I think just freshman jitters are a lot of it. Um, I think Nerea has to get, she's continuing to get used to the physicality of the game. What we're asking her to do to, to really get inside and get more physical, um, that's different than what, what she played in Spain. And uh, for us, we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of what uh, the things that she brought from Spain. And that is, she's got really strong abilities with a perimeter shot, but there's parts to her game that have to continue to grow because of that physical part of our game. Well, thus far, again, 2-0 wins over Houston and Grambling. You'll head to Athens this Sunday. But before we get there, and we will, I do want to talk about the uh, recruiting class. Yeah. Uh, you were able to get signed up with their NLIs this week. This is a special group of four really talented players. Can you share some details with us? Yeah, it really is, and it's exciting. It's our first four. You know, this is the staff worked really hard to identify this talent and to pursue it. You know, really in the recruiting world now, if you don't get on kids until – April or, or May or June, uh, it, you're late. So we were late, but we were fortunate that, um, that we can entice them to see what the future holds at Georgia Tech, not only in the basketball world, but academically what this degree can do for you. And these players just bring a variety of talent on the perimeter. They're skilled perimeter players that can push the tempo, that can really stretch you from the three. They're versatile enough to, to take you down low and post you up. I mean, it's got every facet of the game. They bring it to the table. Now, they'll be young. You know, we're young, and it's a different, it's a different ball game when you jump from high school to college. But, but they are um, coming in here with the ability to really help us get to another level, and we're excited about that. And there's a little local flavor uh, sure to the is. class as well, which means they are uh, supremely familiar with the Georgia Tech-Georgia rivalry, which will be renewed on Sunday in Athens. What are you telling your team before you guys take on Georgia on Sunday afternoon? You just play hard and you execute well. You set good screens. You, you take care of the controllables. Mm -hmm. And um, 
and then see where that gets you and then play your tail off. (laughs) You know, um, not just because you're playing at Georgia. You want to do that every night, but we're trying to get better. You know, every game gives us an opportunity to get better. So control the controllables. Play hard, your effort, your attitude. Get on those boards, rebound, take care of the basketball, and defend hard, and then we'll see what happens. How excited are you personally to get back into a rivalry game? You obviously (laughs) had plenty of battles, Auburn, Alabama. Uh, going back to Purdue, Indiana, yeah. I mean, even as a player, Texas and A&M, I mean, what, what's the energy like when you're taking on your, your in-state uh, rival? Yeah, it's definitely a different energy. There's no doubt about it. You, can, you say what you will about <laughs> any other game, but when you play your rival, there is a different energy. Um, hopefully it's a real positive, um, excited energy, not a nervous energy. You're just, you're just wanting to compete hard. We're heading into to Georgia. We'll have the energy. We'll be ready to play and uh, see what the outcome is. Well, Coach, thanks for your time. Congratulations on, on, on a great start, as well as a strong first recruiting class, and best of luck this Sunday. Thanks a lot, Wiley. All right, that's head coach Nell Fortner. We'll be on the air Saturday afternoon at 1.30 with coverage of Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech on the football field as the Yellow Jackets look to take down the Hokies on the Georgia Tech Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you this weekend on the Flats. You've been listening to the From the Flats podcast. Be sure to tune into the Georgia Tech Sports Network on game days for live coverage and subscribe to this channel to get the latest news on the Yellow Jackets.